comes ahead on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and with me today is a man who just lost uh, 3-0 to Manchester City <laughs> in his FIFA career. It's Logan Stump. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a rough go with Harry. Destroyed gotta... by your own team. How does I know. that it's easier because whenever I get to City, uh, I've noticed in games, because I, I, what I do is I do League Two teams and I bring them all the way up to Premier. And by the time I get to City, I mean, there's like one player left that was on City and it's usually Foden or De Bruyne. Um, <laughs> they had both of them last night. Uh, they had some 18-year-old kid that was in the midfield and he absolutely just tore me apart. It wasn't even KBB. So that some was some youth guy they found. Yeah, and they always hang on to Mares for some reason. I don't know what it is about Mares that... Uh, the game likes, but they always hang on to them. But yeah, it was a rough go. And then I had to play United in the FA Cup in the third round and uh, played really well against them. And then they just smashed me open when their defenders started scoring. It was like, that's not fun. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're having a successful career. It's just the Manchester clubs who are you <laughs> in right now. <laughs> I haven't been fired yet, so that's always a good thing. And yeah, I'm at like a 91. Like yeah, I'm at like a 91 uh, manager rating right now. So. I oh, good. good. Yeah, and I'm in championship, so and it's like don't get relegated, and I love that in FIFA because I'm like I can avoid that. So you know who would have a 91 manager overall on this season so far? I would guess uh, Brian Schmetzer. I was gonna say Greg Berhalter. Or Greg getting Berhalter. the Nations League final, and we're going to the Gold Cup final uh, with our B squad here. I know some people are saying C squad. C-Squad, no, sorry. It's, it's not our C-Squad. Uh, try to think of another 11 that would be the B-Squad that doesn't factor in any of these players. No. But um, definitely I would say our B-Squad. And I also saw some Mexican reporters saying that we shouldn't be calling them a B-Squad because uh, we're just trying to make it look like if we lose, it's not a big deal. But we've been calling it our B squad since you know the Nations League happened, and we said we're definitely bringing a B squad to the Gold Cup. So it's true. I mean, these are not a lot of play. I can't think of many players on this eleven that are going to be our starting eleven. No, maybe right. Sebastian Lechet. Maybe Turner. <laughs> maybe Turner. Yeah, right. Uh, which we'll talk about uh, here today. But yeah, so uh, we got to the Gold Cup final. We beat Qatar in the semifinal. Exciting times. 1-0. Not the, not the game we thought it would be after 
how many goals Qatar was giving up and how many goals they were scoring. It just uh, kind of flamed out there, I guess. Yeah, it was kind of weird. I, I was expecting more of a, a onslaught of goals, but it, it ended up being a stand on your head kind of performance for both goal, goalkeepers. And I'm just glad that we got the win and, and can move on. But uh, I, I had a lot of fun. It was uh, that's why I texted you. I said it's probably the most fun I've ever had in a zero-zero. Um, I guess fixture uh, and result until we finally got the goal. Yeah, that was a uh, it was a good game. It was a frustrating first half for sure right Mm -hmm. um because we were just getting outworked it did get a little better in the second half when greg made his uh changes and such uh you know i let's just say i get that this is what twitter does i guess reactionary do you think it was a little reactionary i saw people now saying that like orlando's not even going to get a bag of chips for dk uh (laughs) Like I know he didn't Matthew play, Hoppy is I know he didn't play Madrid. Yeah. I know he didn't play great, Daryl DK. Yeah. But uh, he also his first professional season and he hasn't had a break uh, all year. So uh you know, and it looked like he was hurt. Uh, his shoulder may have been bothering him still. So I'm not off the DK train. Is he our starting striker for qualifying? No, probably not. not. No. But he's only like what nineteen. He's gonna mm-hmm. he's gonna get you know he's got a whole long career ahead of him. We'll we'll make more assessments as that career goes on. But for people saying that Orlando should have sold him for ten million, they're not going to get the twenty million. They're not going to even get five million. It was very re- reactionary. You know, scouts don't go off of one game. <laughs> either you know they're, they're gonna look at the body of work and they might actually put more stock in a barnsley game than they would mm-hmm. this gold cup it depends on what they're what they're looking for you know if you're an england scout you're looking how do they play against english teams not how they play against Qatar and jamaica and you mm-hmm. know teams like that so we'll see uh how that goes i'm sure i'm sure there'll be a suitor in this in this winter that comes in for dk and uh spends spend some money on him you also got to look at people uh, playing around him too uh and i know scouts think about that mm-hmm. as well if you're if you're having pulisic and geo reina around the, the midfield area the, on the wings that changes the way that dk plays i know and like if you go back and look at the games that we played uh, i think one was against wales um and then another one was um like uh, scotland or somebody um mm-hmm. he had when christian played dk became as threatening as I've seen him um, since Barnsley. And, and that was just because Christian was playing with him. So you got to look around and, and I'm not saying that Hoppy's not good, but I'm saying that the, the midfield was having a hard time and it kind of shows when we talk about the result of the game, but you got to look around to the players that are around him too. Cause if you put like a Christian Pulisic or a Timo Werner or a Kai Havertz or like a De Kevin De Bruyne or somebody like that around a Daryl DK, DK is going to score a lot more. So Let's talk about Hoppy. Man, he put one of those balls on a platter for DK. Though. That <laughs> yeah, was did. a beautiful yeah, pass. He did. Wonderful pass from Hoppy. Mm-hmm. And he, he played very well, I thought. I know some people were criticizing him yet again. Uh, but uh, for me, Hoppy has been our best attacker in the Gold Cup, I'd say. Easily. Maybe not like goal production-wise, but he's no. definitely looked More sharp. He's right. looked up for it. I think he can fit into a bigger team than Shaka, and I can't wait until he does. Now, I don't know if he's Arsenal or Everton level, right? 
but he would probably get loaned there. out. He'd probably get loaned out from there anyway. And if if a team got him and he got loaned out for like a season, I think that then he might be able to break into the team after that. But um, I don't think he'd be like a Miazga where it's just a loan department the whole rest of yeah. his career. Uh, but like okay, in, the, in the lower tier, like if you're looking at a Newcastle or a Brighton or a Leeds, he easily starts. So, um, you know, I think that that's a better move for a lot of our players anyway. I know that we – when we talk about a lot of the, the younger players like Eric Palmer Brown, he, you know, he's he's at a city system that he's going to get transferred out to Serie A. He's playing, you know, first division, big time football, and, and that's what you're going to see with Hoppy too. I think I think you're going to see more of a move like that where he makes a move up into like Germany's, you know, first tier again, um, kind of like a Dortmund move. It seems to be where all the Americans like to go, um, or like Leipzig or something like that, where where he can at least flourish there. So. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to looking forward to the final. We get to face Mexico again. Uh, this happens all the time. Uh, we're probably gonna we're probably gonna lose. But one thing that I'd like to say is that the way that Canada played this team makes me a little bit more confident that that maybe we could grab a result and win the final. But if not, I think reaching the final is is kind of what we wanted from this group. And um, look, I mean, sometimes we even lose with our A team in the gold cup final. So it's going to be, it's going to be a tough trying to figure out which way my hair parts. I'm trying to figure out. (laughs) uh, There we go. Um, But you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a tough battle for them. You know, I, I can't believe that Mexico, uh, was so close to losing this. And really they only had the extra time or as long as extra time because they had to stop the racist chance again. They had to stop the game for the race, not racist chance, the, uh, the um, homophobic. Yeah. Homophobic chance. They had to stop the game again. It gave them seven minutes of stoppage time and they played with uh, until the ninth minute of stoppage time in which Mexico scored with Hector Herrera. And it is just, how do you fix this chant issue? You take points away from them or disqualify them for competitions. I think that's the only way you can do it or completely eliminate, start eliminating their home crowd at world cup qualifying. So just taking, you know, the, the Mexican, like if, if it's a home game for Mexico, completely take the audience out of it. It's not like we haven't done this before with COVID. So just take the audience out of it. And until they learn, they do it again, then the next game, and, and they'll stop. They'll, they definitely will stop because people want to go see games. They'll pay a lot of money for these games, um, and FIFA can even to make it to where you know they, they could play all their home games away from you know Mexican stadiums. Uh, you know, taking them and putting them somewhere else. Um, it's it's really a shame just because of you know how far the the league has come and, and how many you know companies have come so long in, in trying to stop all of this, but it's it's still going to happen and there's still chance that the U S people say that I wish they would not. But um, again, I think the only way to punish them is, is to go pretty strict and then it'll stop. Yeah. So far it seems like nothing's worked. I, I think you have to make it clear. It's on the men's team. If you were to mm-hmm. do the world cup qualifying thing again, because as we've heard, they've kind of moved that to the women's qualifying, which is not fair to the women's team or the fans of the women's team. And you know, uh, 
geez, you, you would have to, I think the biggest thing that would happen, and this will never happen, right? This will never happen. But the biggest thing to stop it would be, okay, you're not making the 2022 World Cup. Yeah. You're barred from it. Because you can't do it to 2026 because they're hosting it. I don't think they would ever mm-hmm. take away the hosting of it, right? So you would really only have this one shot for next year's World Cup. And with this short of notice, I don't think they would do that anyway. So never going to happen. Um, so we'll, we'll probably have to keep dealing with this. One thing that people keep pointing out as well is that FIFA, I mean, the, the refs, CONCACAF refs, I guess, continue to only recognize the chance at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. You can hear them going on before that, but they only pause the game once we get around the 82nd, 85th minute because they don't want to have to go through all three steps because the second step is taking them off the field, and the third step is like postponing the game and removing fans or something. And they don't want to do that, so they wait until the 80-some minute to do the first step, and they think, all right, there it is. We've done our one step. We look like we're doing something, but... We just don't want to have to postpone this game or take the people, you know, off the field. Uh, but let's get into the USA Qatar game. Uh, just wanted to kind of cover who we'd be playing against first here. Uh, but Canada, well done, Canada. Uh, they played, they played very well, and that is without, uh, you know, Jonathan David. That is without Alfonso Davies, and is without uh, who else were they missing? Io Akinola, Kyle Aaron. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the whole the list goes on and on. Um, I think was it their keeper that's not their first? I forget. Yeah, but, I, I don't think so. Yeah, so, so they, they've been playing. No, very Crep- well. Crepo is their first, I think. But I don't know. They they like you said. They I mean, there's just the the. I guess the, my question to you though is, and you've watched it longer than I have and followed it. <clears throat> um, Mexico, this is like their first team, uh, uh, barring, you know, Raul uh, Jimenez, who's I'm not sure he plays uh, very much anymore just because of his issue with the head injury. But, you know, this is like their first team. This is Mexico's first squad. And they came out and this is Canada's second. This is the U.S.'s second team. I'd say Canada's probably one and a half. I I mean, I really do think that this will be most of their – Team minus those, you know, they'll plug yeah, in the players three. that are injured or whatever, yeah. and, and they'll be good to go. But even then, I mean, it's there's a lot. I don't and, think that show is starting for Canada. No World Cup qualifier. No. But Canada, Canada is the third best, I think, out of the three. Um, and they're they're really, they really jumped up. Yeah, they right. really jumped up. I I know that some people will say you know Costa Rica is, is mm. probably still up there. Um, Canada's been playing really well, really well, and. Uh, well, I think they will qualify for the World Cup this time. Well, I remember the days of Canada when they only had like Dwayne De Rosario. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that was it. Yeah. That was like their one guy. He played MLS and uh, he bounced around from teams, but he was, you know, he was he was really good on DC United. He was good at uh, oh, he played for so many teams, but he was he was good earthquakes and all that. Um, but he was like the best Canadian player at a point, and. I was always upset that they never qualified for a World Cup with Dwayne De Rosario because he really deserved to play in one. Um, but now they've got like all this talent, and look, this is part of what we've talked about with having Canadian teams in MLS um, and how it's helping their game, mm-hmm. and how they now they're having their own other first division that they're creating as well, which is going to help players get playing time. It's going to help them continue to grow. 
And then we're also helping out like Costa Rica, Honduras, and Jamaica because some of those players, uh, if they couldn't cut it in Europe before, I'm not sure where they would have went. Now they have MLS, which is consistently growing and getting better, that they're facing better talent, and it's making all of CONCACAF better as well. Like look at you know Andre Blake uh, mm-hmm. at, at the Union. He could have went overseas at this point, but – Let's say if he let's say if he went overseas and didn't cut it, where is he going to go after that? Does he go to a Jamaican league? Is is he playing in Liga Mekis? I'm not really sure what that looks like. But now we have almost 30 teams here in America that they can uh, play in and get better in, and it's helping Canada. It's helping all these other teams getting better. Where Concacaf the region is getting better as a whole, and Canada's going to continue to get better because they have the academies that they're setting up up there. They have the Canadian Premier League that they're setting up, and I'm sure those teams are going to start pumping out talent the way that sometimes our USL teams are. And it's really just making – and that's the thing too, having like USL and stuff, we're, if they're not good enough for MLS, they're going to USL and they're playing still against players that probably were former MLS or would have been MLS players 10 years ago. And the quality of the whole region is just going up that I think with the resources Canada has, they're they're probably – I don't know how wealthy of a nation they are, but I'm sure they're a wealthy nation. You know, They're like USA 2.0 at times, the way they handle things up there, but they have better health care and you know, better stuff like that. That once they start – have Canadian businessmen and businesswomen buying into soccer and putting more money into it, then they would – why can't they be successful? It's the same way the USA can be successful, right? I mean, like, look, Canada is usually seen as a hockey nation, right? And USA is usually seen as a American football or baseball nation, basketball, all these sports that we have that uh, are popular in America. Canada can certainly turn it around. Yeah, and it, it's coming too. I mean, like you said, MLS is such a good league, uh, and, and you're talking about teams that, like, if you look at all the MLS teams, they usually across the board have one really good Canadian player. Um, you so can. that, that uh, yeah, I mean, it's just if you the list goes on and on. I mean, Schaffelberg's really good. Um, it, it's just when you look at these teams, uh, they're younger Canadians, there's younger Americans. It's like North America has really taken off. And a lot of these North American teams play each other. I mean, if you look north uh, up in New York and stuff, the academies from Canada will start playing when they do start to have these younger youth teams. They're going to start playing in New York or Seattle or, you know, different places like that, Vancouver. Um, They're all, you know, right across the border from these big cities. And it's just going to – I mean, the game's growing here. And it's it's coming to where now – I mean, if you look at the U.S. team – all these U.S. players are starting to get plucked off just because, the, you know, Europe's recognizing. And a lot of European ownership is now American ownership mm-hmm. teams. Mm-hmm. So they're looking over here at America and saying, how can we grow this game? I think Venezia. I think Venezia has American yes. <laughs> ownership. Yeah. And they're showing it, man. They're getting everybody. Right. Right. They're like, okay, there's an American over there in the third league. For people that uh, don't know, Logan created this FIFA career. Yeah. Where, well. where, what team did you pick? Uh, who did I pick? It was Bologna. Bologna. Yeah. And he signed all these Americans. Literally his whole squad was Americans. He got fired. (laughs) 
so the problem is is that when you're starting out in Serie A and you sign all these American players, you've got to make it through like the first season. It's very difficult to do it unless you like I play on a really high level on the difficulty scale, but like you could do it if you played, I mean, lower level, but it's not yeah, fun yeah. like that. So like I don't know. It it did not go well. <laughs> That's like Harrogate, like it's only taken me three seasons to get to championship, whereas in Bologna it would have taken me like years to figure out how to be good in that league. Because, you know, the American players only have a ceiling right now at like 80, 85. Um, yeah, I EA think, underrates them, yeah. Yeah, I think for some reason, like, uh, who did I say the other day that was, it was really, uh, oh, it's uh, Jesus Ferreira has like the highest ceiling of them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really confusing. Um, but yeah, I had like a Bobasi and Pulisic and Hoppy and all of them. It, it didn't go well. Did not go well. So <laughs> we'll see how Venezia falls <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're gonna be out of the. They're linked the, to like what? Eric Palmer Brown. Eric They've already Palmer signed Brown. Tessman, and they already signed uh, um, uh, right Or is it r- still rumored for Buzio? Still right? rumored for Buzio. Yeah. But they're, yeah, they're, so that'd, yeah. Be, that'd be they're, three Americans that yeah. they have. Uh, they're scouting Hoppy. Yeah, they probably are. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Right? They're the ones that probably sent the uh, the scouts for DK. Right? They're like, let's yeah. just make a American eleven here. I'd um, be shocked. But uh, the reason why we brought that up is just because it seems like Venezia is now pulling all these players. But uh, And like you said, all these players are going overseas. We got Buchanan, Tejan Buchanan yeah. is linked over, uh, going overseas. Um, some people said that it should be like a $6 million offer yeah. for Buchanan. So the Revs definitely sell him at the end of the year, I would think, after you make this, Taylor this playoff Twelman, push. Twelman said it would be stupid – to let him continue playing over here and that they need to sell him before next week's trade or transfer window closes, mm. which, you know, I, when we talk, oh, here's Greg, the thing, Revs haven't missed a beat with that yeah, right now. That's what either. I was saying. And there like, you go. When Greg, when we were talking to Greg last episode, he said that they haven't really missed that beat and you've got enough around them to where, and also you've got enough time to like, if they decided, if Bruce had decided, which I don't think he will, I think he'll, I think Tejon stays. But I think if you decided right now you're going to sell Buchanan, you would just go out and find a replacement. And, and I'm not saying that they would fit in right away, but in the next six months, I think he they get to a point where they don't even notice that Tajon, you know, has gone and, and played in England. But, but again, like you said, it's it's really fun in this league right now. If people don't watch this league and they're listening to this for the U.S. men's team, or they're listening to it because we're getting ready with stoppage, whatever it might be. This league is really exciting right now to watch just because of all the young players that are coming through here and that are eventually going to be sold to these bigger leagues. And you're going to go, where did they come from? MLS. Right. Yeah. And then uh, the answer to most of those questions is FC Dallas. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, FC Dallas. Uh, Where'd he come from? Well, he was in FC Dallas's academy. They didn't sign him, and now he's at Juventus. Wait, Uh, so he never played played with the first team? Oh, God, no. No, he was... No, no, no. You know what? They put a jersey on him, and they shipped him (laughs) out of there. (laughs) Sorry, FC Dallas fans, if you're listening. They were like, $2 million offer? Get him out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. But, yeah, so let's talk, talk some Qatar USA. So there was a penalty in the 61st minute here to give Qatar the lead, and deservedly so. Um, I know you were probably playing devil's advocate on my text messages here. Right <laughs> away I was. Because you didn't want it to be a penalty. Yeah, yeah right but, away I was like, that is not a penalty. 
the more I looked at it, I was like, okay, it is a penalty. And then they showed that one camera view, and I was back mm-hmm. onto the – that is not a penalty. He touched the ball. But, again, it, it's so tough to tell. Yeah. That's why. Uh, well, just clarity on that, I guess, is uh, you, you can touch the ball, but if you still take yeah. the guy out, it's yeah. not gonna it's not gonna matter. And this was uh, this was Sands, right, who uh, stepped in there and and got, I knew it as soon as I saw it, and he went down. I, I thought the ref was already gonna call it, and then we you know boot the ball forward and we start going on an attack. And I told my wife, I was like, that's gonna get reviewed. That was a penalty. And then they showed the replay of it, and I was like, yep, yeah, that's a penalty. And every replay they show of it, I'm like, that's a penalty. <laughs> like, I couldn't even really see the one where he got the ball because, yeah. like, when you when you see the view of it from behind the goal, that's like the most clear view. I think that like I don't even really see him if he gr- touched the ball, he grazed it, mm-hmm. if anything. And I mean, I would have been pissed if it wasn't called and it was uh, the other way around. So I was I was very much like fine with the penalty. But guess what? He skies it over the bar. He tries to be cheeky with a panenka and uh, just shoots it over <laughs> the the bar. So uh, there you go. Uh, that was Hassan Al Haidos, uh, if I said that right, uh, who missed the penalty. Then we had um, right around that time, like two minutes later, is when all of our subs came in: uh, American, Italian, and. Uh, <laughs> Cheesesteak. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we had Rodon, <laughs> Zardes, and Reggie Cannon coming in uh, at that point. And uh, Rodon looked good. Zardes changed the game. Um, I know people love to pick on him, but his touch has gotten a lot better. And he scores. Like, he just scores. Whenever you put Zardes in, he's going to score off his butt. He's going to score off his face. He's going to score off his foot. He's going to do whatever he can <laughs> to get that ball into the back of the net. And he does that in this 86-minute and it was greatly, uh, great buildup here from uh, uh, Giochini, who comes in for Hoppy just five minutes beforehand. And Williamson came in for Areola. And, uh, you know, Giochini makes a great pass to Zardes. And Zardes is just slides and taps it in pretty much. And we're good to go. And let's talk about it. I think he's our starting striker for qualification. No, I agree. He knows but, Greg's system. He's played with Greg Burhalter. He scores goals. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. what else we want. He's just got like a – and I think Josie had it too um, in previous World Cups where uh, Josh – or Josie just seems – no, Josh. Um, Josie seems uh, just very relaxed and comfortable. And I know he loves playing for Greg. Um, and, and Greg has shown – Time, time in and time out that he trusts him, um, bringing him to the crew and, and doing what he needs to do there. So, um, yeah, I, I really do think that he's the number one right now. Uh, Josh Sargent, uh, that's where I was going to go. Josh Sargent, um, you know, he's going to go down a, a tier in, in that league in well, Germany. Well, maybe. Maybe. maybe we're tracking right. a private flight out of Germany yesterday. It's kind of sketchy. To Norwich. Uh, where they think uh, people said they had on good authority, Sargent was on there. I've not seen anything since then, so I think they were mistaken. But uh, so people think that Norwich is going after Josh Sargent, uh, which I don't think he'd get much time in the Premier League starting. Um, and if he does, he, he he would have. Here's the thing: he has to start scoring goals. Yeah, uh, I'm a big Sargent fan. I loved him in the what was it, the U17 World Cup? I watched him in that he was scoring. Uh, left and right, uh, you know, he, he scored some good goals for Werder Bremen. 
but if you also talk to Werner Bremen fans, uh, USA fans are a little optimistic on Sargent. Well, they're not as much. Like, USA fans, you'll get the narrative from USA fans on Twitter that Sargent is their best attacker on Werner Bremen. Mm -hmm. And Werner Bremen fans say that's not even close to the truth. So I'm, I'm going to take it more from the people that probably watch their team all the time than the people that are just watching Sargent play there. And I get it. He didn't have great service there. That's one of the reasons why I want him and Hoppy to move out of those teams anyway. Schalke and Werder Bremen. But um, he, he needs to score goals, whether he has the service or not. There's times where we see him at the U.S. team. He wouldn't have service either, but he'd start going more onto the left and like trying to be the playmaker instead of scoring goals. And, hey, that's fine too, but we need somebody up top who's just going to put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, and Giazzi's going to do that. Like, I, I, Sardis is so good at, at what he does, his craft. He's He's got that ability to get in the box and just put the ball in the back of the net, um, which Sargent needs, but I don't know if Sargent understands. And that, that's been a big thing. I know Extra Time talked about it. I know Twelman's talked about it, where Sargent's biggest thing is that he just does not get on the end of passes like he should. He starts to look better. Um, over the last year or so that he's played with Greg. Um, and I think Greg does a good job of saying, hey, you need to get on the end of these balls and just poke them in. Um, but Zardes already has that. And Zardes is creative enough and big enough to where he just creates his own space. And I think that that's a big thing um, with the U.S. I, we, we've always talked about the U.S. having big you know, goalkeepers, but the U.S. has always had big players. Like it's just, I mean, look at DK. He's big. Um, Zardes is big. Uh, those are big strikers. Josie's a big striker. Um, they just like those bully ball. And I, and I think that Jossie is calm. He's come from a place where he didn't come from much. He grew up in a really rough neighborhood. So it's, you know, he's coming out of this. He, he's always been inspired to play good soccer. And I think that, you know, given the shot, I think he'd be one of those ones we look back at and go, I'm so glad that we gave Zardes a chance to play. And I think it just makes people mad because he's a, an MLS player. Yeah, and well, people don't want to say he ever improved, right? Because right. like there was a time where like Zardes' first touch would put the ball ten feet ahead of him, mm -hmm. uh, which is not what you would want. But he's he's definitely improved since then, and people don't like to. I don't. I, I feel like people don't like to say that at, at a time, yeah. you know. Like Zardes for the U.S. team, uh, from what I see here, he has fourteen goals out of sixty-one appearances. It's pretty good. Which is uh, pretty good. Yeah, 2019, he had six goals in 14 appearances. Um, this year, he has two goals out of five appearances. So, like, he, he scores goals. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, he scored against Martinique. He scored against Qatar. He scored against Canada in 2019. Uh, Trinidad and Tobago in 2019. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, he's been scoring – Goals, uh, he scored against even Netherlands in 2015. Uh, Cuba in 2015. Oh, that was the Gold Cup in – that was in Baltimore in 2015. I don't know if I went to that. I don't think I got a chance to go to that one. Um, but anyway. You know, he's been scoring goals. He, he goes out there. I, the best thing for him was when he left LA Galaxy to go to the crew because they, Galaxy started putting him at, like, right back. or They started putting him, like, anywhere on the field. Yeah. It didn't make sense. And uh, he went to Greg Berhalter, who knew where to put him. And that's why he, he continues to play him. And I think against Mexico, we start with Zardes, right? I mean, DK yeah. obviously 
has not been super great. He might be injured. Give him a break and put Zardes up top. Yeah, and that him and Hoppy, I feel like that's a good yeah. combination. That's just the to start. Have right now. That's the start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can bring in Giochini if you need something. And he's looked um, really good. Yeah, yeah, and I think Shaq Moore starts on the right again. God, he's been good. I uh, like. He's been really he's, good. He's probably he and he and uh, and Hoppy have been like the most pleasant surprises um, in this tournament, especially Shaq Moore because. Shaq, I think, is going to start getting attention from some of these bigger clubs. I think that yeah. some of these clubs are going to come after him, and and the better he gets, uh, that's that's really good for us because that's that side that we we kind of struggle with some depth and some options. If you can plug him in as one of your good options or at least depth, um, that's huge for us because then then it's only about fixing that midfield, which I mean we can eventually talk about. But I think it, you know, I think eventually it ends up being like a. a you know, Weston McKinney and maybe they've moved Musa into that role. But I, I don't know if, you know, that, that those are the only two places that we really lack in this team. And, and I think that that Shaq Moore is, is fixing that part of that question. So do we start with Rodon or Buzio in the midfield? Against I would start Rodon. That's like, what I was thinking. Buzio has not, like after his first match, he's looked non-existent. Um, especially this last game. There's times where he just kind of wanders in, into the pitch and he just doesn't know where to be. Um, he gets Kellen, bumped off the ball pretty yes. easily too. Kellen Acosta, they marked him really well, Qatar did, and it's not like Kellen was going to tear them up, but it took that option away in the midfield and it kind of just let Busio just run free. But it, it doesn't. he doesn't do well in that kind of situation. It, there were times where he's running back and forth between the middle of the pitch and I'm going – does he actually know where he's supposed to be, or is he just <laughs> running around? Like, I'm so confused. Whereas when Roldan's on, Roldan was flying up that right side, um, and he was using his combination with Shaq more a little bit, and they were just taking off. Um, and I think that's where it kind of it's tough for Busio, whereas it's easier for Roldan because Roldan's played forever. So it's you know Christian is much more suited for I think uh, you know these games where you need somebody with experience and. Um, just the way that he's played with Seattle, he deserves to have that chance. Um, and I think that if you're Greg and you're looking at it, it either Costa goes or Busio goes and, and is replaced by Roldan. Yeah, I think I think Roldan might start. He, you know, though, Greg might think if we're in trouble, I might have to put him on halftime or, you know, 60th minute to bring some life into the game too. So I could see it go either way. I'm just tired of the midfield. It's um, worrisome. <clears throat> Yeah, because we we were giving up so much possession and shots mm-hmm. to Qatar, it was it's pretty crazy. But let's just say this Qatar team were, were pretty good. They uh, are. eighteen shots against us compared to our six. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, they weren't on target, but they were no, shots. no, they weren't on target. Uh, what well, they did have, how many on target? They had two, two, yeah, <laughs> two on target. We had four on target, so yeah. there there was that. But they were getting off a lot of shots. That they were. if they were a better team, we're losing this game. Six wanners on them. Don't tell know? Matt Turner that. That's true. <laughs> the ball is scared of Matt Turner. Matt Turner was uh, very good in this game, and we had just talked about him with Greg, uh, not Berholter, but Greg uh, from <laughs> Revolution Recap last week yeah, about, uh, or earlier this week, I guess. Uh, yeah. Feels like a week ago. Uh, on how this, you know, where he falls into the number one spot. Where, where are you thinking now? He's. He's probably number two now. Um, he's just a, he's a he's a, a shot stopper. I mean, that we don't have like Stefan is not that. Like Stefan is a very good 
get out and go sweeper kind of keeper. And, and, and I've watched him in Elba city. He doesn't stop shots. He actually is probably one of the worst. I think Horvath actually might be better at shot stopping. I think what makes Stefan so interesting is Stefan, Stefan does do a better job of containing that defense where it's like, he's got the back four kind of on a string and he plays with, um, Stefan is very athletic, which makes up for a lot of what, you know, Matt Turner is not. I mean, Matt Turner is athletic, but it's not like a Zach Stefan athletic. Um, Ethan Horvath is not a Zach Stefan athletic. What makes Zach so good is I think, one, he's learned from Ederson, I think, at City, where it's kind of like he's more of an attacking goalkeeper, which is kind of weird to say, but uh, he plays balls really well. He's very athletic. He's very vocal, um, which I think helps Zach because anytime that Zach's on the pitch, it seems like he's got the captain's armband. Um, I think he's more of like a leader uh, in the sense of where Matt Turner, I think, is kind of just stepping into this role where he doesn't quite know where he's placed. So he's kind of got this like, you know, I can be a leader if I need to be, but I'm not that by. Um, and I think, like you said, Jordan, I think that, and I think you agree with me on that, where he is probably number one in shot stopping. But I don't know, I don't know if I trust him enough yet. Like I need to see more of him in a more, you know, consistent role. And I think with Zach Steffen not getting consistent playing time, it hurts Zach. Yeah. Um, where I think if Zach's playing number one with Manchester City, he's easily our number one keeper, um, just because he's getting that rep, you know, the reputation, the reps, sorry. Um, and that reputation of being the number one. But right now, if I'm looking at the depth chart, I think Matt Turner with this match and the way that he's played Gold Cup has now stepped above Ethan Horvath and is now chasing down Zach Steffen. Here's who Matt Turner reminds me of here. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> so when he you're does talking, like him. He does, doesn't he? Like mm-hmm. I can see it in like the eyes and the hair mm-hmm. and thing. But uh, <laughs> the facial hair is kind of like yeah. spotty. I don't want to act like I'm going to say this just for the heck of it. So it's, it, this is like, I'm not saying this to rile people up, but I think for me, it might go Turner Horvath Stefan. Right now. I could see that right now. Yeah. Uh, Stefan needs to play and we'll see. I mean, Horvath will need to play too, and we'll see how he does at Nottingham and we'll, we'll see if he gets, the wins the job there or whatever. And that's a tough league to play goalkeeper yeah. in, um, championship. And uh, the reason why I say that was one, when we look at just my eye test, okay. I'm not, I don't, I don't have the stats of Stefan when he was at crew, but I feel like Turner is, is a better MLS goalkeeper than Stefan was. So I feel like Turner would out, would outrank him in that regard because I don't know if Stefan has improved all that much because he's not playing. At he's all. not playing at City. He's uh, he's he played what eleven games last year. Yeah, and it was like most of them were the care about. Yeah, yeah. one one Premier League game for that, right? And yeah. then I think there was just he got all the, uh, the rest Cup were FA Cup and Carabao or something. Yeah. And he'll play Community Shield, I imagine. So yeah, probably if he's healthy. So so that is where. I, I know people will always put this stock in, like we said last week, of he's training. He's training with the best players in the world, whatever. But it's different when it's a game situation. It's very yeah. different. You know, people can be relaxed in training, make penalties in training, and then they step up and take a penalty and miss it, right? I'm sure this guy for Qatar, which I don't have the name in front of me anymore, uh, 
was a you know practice penalties all the time. Yeah, probably practice panenkas all the time, and he goes up in a game situation where it's going to take him to you know a lead in the Gold Cup semifinals, and he puts it over the bar. So, training and game time are different, and I understand that training in you know training with better players can make you better, but then you also have to use that training and practice and, and put it into game time. And Stefan hasn't been able to do that. There's times, you know, the nation's league, he came off a cup winning season with Manchester city and he goes out there and uh, looked shaky. Yeah. It's not great. Uh, Matt Turner is having to stand on his head sometimes for the reps. Sometimes this year, not so much last year more, but he was able to turn it on and stand on his head against Qatar if he needed to, right? Or make these saves that kept us in the game to win it. We'll see how he does against Mexico. But I'm also just still very impressed by the way Horvath played against Mexico when he came in after Stefan went down. And uh, that I I think Horvath might be above him too. We'll see. uh, You know, to me, I don't think there's a wrong answer. No, yes. no, that, that's the good thing about the United States. You'll never have a wrong answer with goalkeepers. So, though it was getting a little worrisome before this, but we've had yeah. now these three, and it, it feels good because yeah. before we were looking at it, we're like, well, we have well, a Guzan. <laughs> yeah, because Guzan, we're not starting. Yeah, no, I mean, he no, was hell, playing. I mean, he's 35, he's still on the roster just in case, but it's like a it, it, it it's these three are up and coming, like onto the national stage where like, and you can play goalkeeper for a very long time. Like you can still be very yeah. successful as a goalkeeper as you get older. Um, my, my biggest issue with your depth chart and many issues with the depth charts that have Stefan not starting is the fact that Greg Berhalter, that is his guy. Um, he, you know, a Columbus guy, a guy that Greg has seen play. Um, I just don't see where Zach loses that spot just because of the fact that, I don't know what goes on. Like that's the one thing that United States Twitter doesn't consider very much is we don't know what exactly what goes on in the locker room and exactly what goes on on the pitch in training. But it right. just seems like Zach Steffen again, even when Pulisic was playing, when Weston McKinney's playing, and Pulisic is Captain America. But whenever Steffen is on the pitch, it seems like he's got the captain's arm. Yeah, there. he is. Um, so I think that it's got a lot to do. You know with what though, Greg character. does, yeah, and there's the thing too. Greg has that connection with Stefan from his, his time loyalty. At the crew. Yeah, uh, that he coached him at the crew, so yeah. it's gonna and it's gonna have that link. Greg's Greg's really big with loyalty. I feel like that's why Zardes is on the team. I don't think if he's if you're looking at it on an outsider's perspective, as much as I love Jazzy, I don't think Jazzy's even on the roster if Greg's not around. Um, which is a shame because I, I think Zardes is, might be our best option going forward, at least in qualifying, um, especially because his his workload, he'll be in more of a fit form than some of these guys that are just getting back from vacation. Where, like, if you look at it, I mean, uh, DK and them, he's played for a year. Sargent is just getting back into things with uh, Werner or uh, what is it, Werner Bremen? Um, Werner Bremen, yeah. Yeah, so it's you know, they're going to be a month into playing, if that, if they come back and play right away. Um, whereas Sardes is mid-season form going into qualifying. Um, so, again, I just think that Greg's loyalty – loyalty is a big thing with Greg, which is why I think he gets the recruits that he does, which is why I think, like, the Araujo and why some of these dual nationals look at Greg and go, I like Greg because Greg shows me trust. 
and I and I think that's where Zach Steffen gets the nod. That's where I think Zardes might get the nod is because Greg trusts his players and they like that, uh, which makes them play better. So I don't know. You're right though, Jordan. Uh, the biggest concern with me is Steffen not playing, and I, I I can tell you, being a City fan, he will not play. Like it, unless Ederson breaks something, he won't play. He'll play FA Cup games against championship sides. Once City start to hit Premier League teams in the FA Cup, Ederson plays. So, just want to share this real quick. Uh, Kai Kamara, free agent, found his team. He's going to Finland and playing for HIFK Football. So, I like those kits. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. That was breaking news from yesterday. So maybe the definition of late breaking news, I guess. Um, Let's talk the the women's, right? Uh, well, I guess before we get there, uh, Logan, do we win the Gold Cup on Sunday? I'm going to go with, mm, yeah, I'm going to say yes. Oh, just, okay, okay. Just because I, I feel like the United States is playing, like Mexico's played really good defense. Their issue had been scoring. Um, I think that the United States has played a little bit better in in, in defense, and I think Matt Turner has played extremely well. So I think that the United States actually sneak one away, um, just because I think it's a great buildup for uh, maybe it's Qualifying. the United States' turn. Yeah, maybe it's the United States' turn to take control of this Concacaf region. I'll say they lose, but I, I like your answer better. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people agree with you, though. So we'll see. It'll yeah, be fun. It'll be a blast. So I can't. Yeah, wait. it should be good. So that's that's tomorrow. Uh, I'm, putting this, I'm putting this episode up on uh, Saturday here. And that's the day we're recording it. So yeah, we'll we'll have that game on Sunday at eight thirty. Uh, so it's probably nine o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> the way Fox is ten thirty because it's the championship game. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, we gotta do two and a half hours, <laughs> two hours of pregame. We have a pregame um, show. The U.S. women's team played mm. against Netherlands in the quarterfinals, uh, and this was a shaky game again. for them. <laughs> uh, yeah, again. Uh, Vivian uh, Midema, is that how you say it? That's how I would say it, but uh, I'm always wrong with names. I haven't heard it because I haven't been up at 4 a.m. in games. But uh, I did get to see the shootout of this. But uh, she, scored, she scored in the 18th minute. Sam Mewis uh, tied it up in the 28th. Lynn Williams give us the lead in the 31st. And then uh, she, uh, Midema uh, scores again in the 54th to make it 2-2. And we ride it out. We scored. Uh, the USA scored a, a few times. I think more than a few times. Uh, it doesn't have stats on Fatmov, of course. Um, uh, but they were caught offside. Uh, so we went extra time, then we went to penalties, and in the penalties, uh, Nayer came up big. She made two saves, and the USA converted their four. That's all they needed to move on. And they will go ahead and face Canada as we get this, uh, you know, US uh, North America match-off here uh, on August 2nd at uh, 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah. These Asian Olympics are brutal to watch just because yeah. of the time. Same thing when they have a World Cup. Yep. yep. Uh, we haven't had that in a while, and it's going to be brutal when it is a World Cup. But... It'll be a while, but I do think, I, from the sounds of it, it sounds like Australia will be bidding for their World Cup, so that'll be lovely if they get it too. Just because it'll be like, oh, my God. 
And then we have uh, at at 7 a.m. Australia and Sweden. And then uh, the winner of those games will go to the final, which is on August 5th. So those games are on August 2nd, which is Monday. August 5th is next Thursday. And guess what time that final is? 10 p.m. Must be confused. Must be moving the game to Hawaii. (laughs) I'm assuming, I guess what, uh, what, what's the time difference for Japan? It's like 12, 12 hours, 12 hours. Right. Mm-hmm. So it would be like a 12 PM kickoff for them. So that yeah. works out. Perfect. Perfect for us. Um, the bronze uh, ma- uh, match is at 4 AM on the fifth. So hopefully, hopefully we're in the final. We can actually watch at 10 o'clock on Thursday. That'd be nice. Uh, so, yeah, so if the USA wins the Gold Cup and the USA win gold at the Olympics and we won the Nations League, it's like just we're having just a great give us summer. The World Cup. We're having a great So Give us the World Cup in 2022. <laughs> we'll win it. No need to play it. Just no give need it to, to play. us. <laughs> we just go off of how good you were in all the other competitions. And we were really good. Coming. <laughs> Nerds. You are like breaking up right now. Am I back? Yeah, there you are. Am I? Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. So, what were you saying after that? I have no idea. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm nervous for World Cup qualifying. Oh yeah, because now we're not going to make it because of all the yeah. all the prior. Yeah, could you imagine winning the Gold Cup in Nations League and then not no. qualifying for the World no. Cup? Oh my God. I feel like if that happens, <laughs> then we can't put any stock into these competitions. No, then I mean, I, if that happens, you just hit the reset and trade them all for perfect prospects. Yeah, <laughs> you're very familiar with that. Wrong so sport. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. So, uh, any anything else you want to talk about with the women's team or the Olympics? The women's team. This is the most shaky I've ever seen them, mm-hmm. uh, which is really weird because. It's, I've actually watched probably more of their games than I have the men's um, just because men's, uh, you know, they don't make the World Cup. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, this is the strangest time that I've ever think that uh, U.S. women's national team uh, fans have ever been if they're about my age. So if you're about 28 to 32 to 36, this is a really odd time um, to be a U.S. women's national team. And maybe, maybe the gods say if the men's team is going to perform well, then the women's team cannot. Um, so maybe they're equaling or they're evening out the, the playing field. But then again, I look at Brazil and it's not fair. So yeah, not much else to say. Just, uh, I don't, I don't think we win gold. Um, but who knows this team could turn it on and, and all of a sudden look dominant again. So I hope so. Uh, but yeah, we got to probably stop bringing some of the older players to these competitions. I think yeah. this is probably going to have, this has to be, Lloyds and Rapinos and like last and, last yeah. uh, games here, like last uh, at least last tournaments because yeah, you know we're at the point where we need to start bringing in some new blood. Uh, can we bring in Olivia Moultrie? Right? Isn't she? Uh, I think she's, <laughs> she's like fifteen, right? Can yeah. We bring... What's the age limit on international? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Sixteen. Uh, yeah, maybe. So. so we might have to wait. We might have to wait to bring her in. But there we go. Uh, well, there was some MLS games yesterday. If we just want to quickly touch on these, <clears throat> we'll probably go more in depth with them on Tuesday. But we did just have the uh, Orlando City as he's taking the drink from his Orlando City 
mug there. Uh, really showing it to Heinze right there, drinking a water and it being in an Orlando cup. Right. Is water wet, Orlando? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> but uh, Orlando come back from 2-1 down to win 3-2 at home against Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta is now winless in 11 matches. Three months, right? <clears throat> probably around that right 11 games if you do like one a week but they've done some two week but we also had the break so yeah it's probably been a long time since they've won (laughs) uh let me check i'll check the last time uh they've won did you like my water wettest pun just because vanderwater and oh yeah yeah. all the water issues that we have and we didn't get a hydration break um which i think they did that only because atlanta was in town they're like well we gotta (laughs) eat in the playing field (laughs) Uh, no hydration break. Yeah, no. I didn't pick up on break. that. Was it not hot there? No, it was hot. It was, was like it? Oh, okay. yeah, it was like ninety-five. This is the hot time of year, right around August. This is like the worst. This is worse than June and July ever are. Um, so yeah, I, I guess because Atlanta's in, you they didn't bring their water bottles. So, so Atlanta's only had two wins all season, and their f- last win was on May fifteenth. Did you say they only have two wins all season? Yep. Against Chicago and against Montreal. Really? See, I would never have said that. It's because they draw all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like they go up 2-0 and you think they're going to win. Uh, but they had a great start to the season. Listen, listen to this. Draw with Orlando at Exploria. Yeah, to open it. Yeah. 3-1 win over Chicago. They lose to the Revs, which is understandable at Gillette. And then it... Then they draw with Miami, which you're like, ah, maybe they should have won that one. Then they win against Montreal, and you're like, okay, not bad. Then they draw against Seattle, and you're like, all right, that's that's a good result. That's at Lumen Field. Yeah. And then it just kind of goes two two with Nashville, two two with Philly, one nil NYCFC. Draw with Red Bulls, lose to Chicago, draw with Nashville, lose to the Revs. And then he's fired. So yeah, just keep uh, saying it, Jordan. I'm sure the Atlanta fans have turned it off by now. <laughs> I'm just well, saying, if you look at the first like four weeks, you're yeah. like, that's not terrible. So here's my thing. Last night, and Twelman said something a little bit about it. He hinted at it. Um, Valentina was afraid to take Joseph off, like afraid, like he didn't. Joseph was gonna come off. I think it was like the 70th minute or something like that. He was coming off. And then Joseph went like this towards the bench and said, no, I'm good. And then Valentino didn't do it. He then takes him off at like the 82nd or 83rd. Yeah, it was late. And Joseph looked hurt. Like Joseph, something wasn't right. Like he was either real tight in his hamstring. It was either he was pissed off or he was yeah. uh, hurt. I can't really tell. grabbing his knees, which is never good for somebody that's that's got ACL issues. Um, so a couple things. Joseph is not Joseph. And who knows? It was that, soccer. Well, that great. forty-eight second goal was pretty that great, was Joseph, though. But that like Twelman made a good point, though. He goes, "That that's a really good shot, and you don't. You, there's no way you stop it. Like that, it's just yeah, yeah. Him out in the training ground hits a, a beautiful shot, just like Moreno's was. You don't stop it. The thing is, is that his buildup, even like his abilities to get other players open, isn't there. Now, I'm not saying that it's because of Joseph. The other players around him aren't great. Um, I think Moreno might be the second best on that team. Um, but like mm-hmm. Barco's around, he's not going to finish a whole lot. Um, so they've, uh, they've been playing Chol instead of Jurgen yeah, Dom. Right. Uh, so people are thinking Jurgen Dom's time is probably done yeah. in Atlanta. 
So that, that's one issue. Like Joseph is not back to form. Does he get back? Maybe, but not with this system. He doesn't. Um, I, I just don't. Uh, I don't see a positive thing going forward for Atlanta or Joseph. If this team's going to be bottom of the East, Joseph's going to get pissed because he's just got that. He's got that fiery nature about him, and the fact that they were scared to pull him off, something's not right. Like that's still some remnants of Heinze. As much as they want to get away from Heinze's mentality but Valentino was there like that he Joseph's not happy in his situation where he currently is and I think a lot of that has to do with coaching um I know that 12 they start winning he, he'll be fine yeah uh, and that's what but they I, need to do he's just, they need a whole new team he's so <laughs> he, like he's so volatile though like that's a very it's good and it's bad to have a volatile player uh it's Sometimes it can haunt you. And the fact they were scared to pull him off, that was what was concerning for me is the fact that they seem scared of him, like he's going to blow up. Um, so maybe there's a history there of him blowing it up. Um, well, he does. But, he's had it with every manager. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm confused by that. And, and I think that that only is going to poison the water, especially if people aren't going to want to go to play in Atlanta. Because if right now I'm looking at teams that I want to go play with in the East, Atlanta is not the one. Let me just say though, they poison the water. It's not like or uh, it's not like Atlanta's really going to taste it. They're not allowed water breaks. Okay. <laughs> Philadelphia, I'd rather play with easily. Uh, that is a player's coach. That is a great yes. system. New England, everybody loves Bruce. Um, I don't know if I'd like Bruce as a player just because he's so gruff and tough. Um, people like Bob Brown. He's, he's definitely like got Stafford. rid of the players that hate him though, because it what he, yeah. the, the, I think Fagundes did not Fagundes get on is, with him. Yeah. And uh, look, he leaves and the uh, revs are turning it up. Yeah. Like right now, Nashville looks like a fun place to play. They look like they've got a great system. Fourth place. It's, yeah. It's come from that, that system that they used in Liverpool where uh, the, the ownership uh, escapes me. I forget the guy's name, but um they, they, I don't know. There's just so many other places, wouldn't you? I mean, there's so many other places I'd rather play right now. Like Oscar Perea's got Orlando, Jim Curtin, Bruce Arena. You've got, um, you know, Caleb Porter. I mean, it's just like different people that I'd much rather play with than a, a blowing up Atlanta team. You know who would fit with Atlanta? Oscar Perea. <laughs> He really I would. thought you were going to say like Jose or somebody. I think, I, like, no, oh, I, no. think I think probably what, what what Atlanta needs. I'm not saying they're going to get him. What I, what I, what what I'm my, trying to point out is Orlando. Uh, sorry, Atlanta needs uh, a, a a coach that is familiar with the league, that fits their style, the way that Perea kind of fits. Uh, you know, attacking and uh, that somebody that's going to be able to shore up the defense and get the attack going and. Uh, you know, scoring 26 goals to Atlanta's 16. Um, yeah, I mean, look, looking at the standings right now, New England with 33 points, Orlando with 28, NYCFC jumped all the way up to 20, uh, the third with 26 points, and they've been just bashing teams. As the other game, let's kind of, I guess, shift to that real quick. The other game that happened during this, was uh, a 4-1 win for New York City FC over Columbus Crew at, at Yankee Stadium. Uh, we had uh, Cassianos, uh, Tiago, Keaton Parks, and Rodriguez scoring the four goals for New York City, and Pedro Santos getting a 90-plus seven-minute penalty kick for Columbus to give them a consolation prize there. 
And then we had the same score line in LA uh, for LA Galaxy over Portland with uh, uh, Revolosin, Vasquez, Kleshjan, and Grandser scoring, and Abobasi scoring in the 29th minute to make it 1 1, and then it just kind of fell apart there. But uh, yeah, NYCFC jumping all the way up to third. Nashville's in fourth. Philly's down to fifth. Crew are in sixth. Uh, Montreal in seventh. And then you have a two-point gap between Montreal and D.C. Then you have a two-point gap between New York and D.C. And then you have 10th place Atlanta, where you were just talking about. 14 points in 10th place. This is, again, I think the line we have to draw is ninth and up for what's going to be actually in the uh, playoff hunt. Because... That's a four-point gap between Red Bulls and Atlanta, and the way Atlanta's playing, I don't think they can make up four points. And Red Bull have two games in hand. Um, everybody else, DC has they one, do. Montreal yeah, has one. Um, Atlanta's played two more games than Red Bull and one more game than Montreal and DC. If DC and Montreal win, um, <laughs> that I mean that's like a it can be eleven point gap um, once it shakes out, which is which is crazy. Um, or no, nine points because DC would be. But I mean, just think of that. Nine points. That's that's three games and Atlanta can't win. So yeah. that's that's almost insurmountable at that point. Yeah, I mean, we just talked about Atlanta hasn't won a game in eleven matches. Where are they gonna get the four points right now to get yeah. even close to the Red Bulls at that's ninth? A lot of draws. And then they, they have to get nine points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of draws. <laughs> nine points to get the seventh. And hope they all lose. Uh, or eight points to get to seventh. Uh, and that's, yeah, and hope that they all lose. That That's going to be really tough for Atlanta. I, I do think Atlanta fans have come around to the point that the season's probably a lost cause at, the, at this point. They're the but, second uh, worst attacking team in, in the Eastern Conference, just above Miami. Yeah, they have 16 goals. No. Miami has 10. <laughs> Cincy and Chicago have 17. Cincinnati, a team that we talk about that never scores, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> 17 goals. Again. Yeah. And uh, let's say the Union only have 20. Crew only have 17. Crew are not been scoring much. Uh, but they've they've been getting enough points to get uh, 10 points above Atlanta with one more goal than them. That's kind of... So look below other. Atlanta, Jordan. I didn't even look at that. Uh, yeah. Toronto, only 15 games played. Cincinnati, only 14 games played. Yep. Chicago, only 15 games played. Those... Those Miami teams, only 13. They could all pass them. <laughs> Atlanta could be wooden spoon if all those teams uh, win their games in hand. Three games times six is what? Another 18 points. Yeah. yeah. If Miami wins all theirs, yeah, they're, they're up there. They don't even have to win all theirs. They're only five points back of Atlanta and they have three games in hand. Yeah. If every single one of those teams, it's two draws and a win or yeah, <laughs> take points from their matches, they would pass Atlanta. That's how bad Atlanta has been. Yeah. Not good for Atlanta. No. Not good. Over on the West, LA Galaxy are firmly in third here. They're only four points behind Seattle um, and only two points behind KC, even though they've kind of had this lull recently. They're doing it without Chicharito right now, who is injured with a calf strain. We have the Rapids in fourth, LAFC in fifth, Minnesota in sixth, Salt Lake in seventh, Portland one point below the playoff spot, but they just can't get it going. They just haven't been able to get any momentum. Going. It's like they win a game and then they lose a game and then they lose and then they win and then they draw and then they lose. You know, it's like just kind of 
back and forth here. They are good at home. They have five wins, the two losses at home. But away from home, Portland is 1-6-1. and one. Only one draw on the road and only one win on the road. Not good, not good for Portland there. Um, Houston is in ninth, Dallas in 10th, San Jose in 11th, Whitecaps in 12th, and Austin in 13th. Uh, though, uh, San Jose, Vancouver, Austin, and Dallas all have the same points per game at 0.93. So uh, if Austin wins their next game, because they have a game in hand to those teams, then they would go above those teams and actually go up to 10th place. So the west bottom feeders are really close to each other. Same way that the east is kind of getting close at the bottom there too. It's just all bunched up. You just have like, you know, the class of the MLS, which I'd say is Seattle, KC, Galaxy, Revs, Orlando. There's your class of MLS right now, right? Those are the top of the top. And then you kind of have the middle teams where we're looking at like Nashville, NYCFC, Union, uh, Colorado, LAFC, Crew, Montreal. If I'm looking at the Eastern Conference and Western Conference, if they had to play each other in like a playoff, the Eastern Conference would just steamroll the Western Conference this year. I think. I don't know. I mean, the Galaxy have given up 27 goals. There's no way they yeah, should. Well, it, that's <laughs> the thing. It, it depends. It depends on what you're. Yeah, I, I guess. It all depends. I mean, they're right? they're definitely a false front. Like the Galaxy, I watched them play last night, and they beat a very bad Portland team. Portland is very bad this year, and God, they just look—they look like they'd concede a hundred goals if they had let them. Just I, I like the Sounders were good. So look at—I mean, if you look at the—I I wish I could pull up like the where the West have played the East and see how well the East has, has fared this year. That's the thing. Um, That's why it's really tough to tell, is yeah. because we just we don't play. We're each all other. playing each other. We're, we're all playing our own conference and mm-hmm. it's tough to tell is that good East teams just beating up on really bad weak East teams and are the West teams battling it out, you yeah. know, like uh, it's hard to tell. I don't know. I just look at the goals conceded with the galaxy and that's an issue they had last year, um, which I think they were second behind San Jose right now. They're like the fourth worst defense in the whole league, um, which is not good. And their defense is not going to be. And Bond has had the most saves in the MLS, which is not good. <laughs> like nothing about that screams that the Galaxy should be a third place team. Like nothing. And with Chicharito out, I know that they're looking to add some attacking plate pieces. But again, I, I'm not convinced with the Galaxy, and, and I'll continue to beat that drum until they get in the playoffs and start making a run. They probably win MLS Cup and support each other. Yeah, because yeah. uh, I'm bashing on them. But I just don't. I like if I had to pick right now, LAFC is a better team than the Galaxy. No, no, no. Yes, no, no, no. yes. LAFC can't even score. Yeah, they're but they're up there. They're only five goals behind the the Galaxy. That's I mean that's not great, but I don't know. I'm just not sold on the LA Galaxy. I, I will say I am sold on them. Okay. Get ready. Get ready for MLS Cup winners 2021. Yeah. LA Galaxy. Everybody Talk put your bet on it. Yeah. Put your bets on it. Well, you know we've we've been calling managers getting fired. I'm gonna call MLS Cup champ right now. Oh, and God. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about the ones we've already claimed. You mean Minnesota? Minnesota and LAFC. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about my new prediction. Montreal. <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, hey you know, there we go. nothing against Montreal. Like we did not have like a vendetta against Montreal. We just thought they were we didn't. Really bad. No. And you we know what though? If they surprised. if they were still called the Impact, I think I would have put them higher. I'm just gonna say yeah. That. yeah. It's the logos really. The logo change. I mean the logo change really turned Montreal around, so you can think they're really bad branding. So what um, you know what? Next year, Cleveland Guardians winning MLB. <laughs> and whoever change that the logo? Mis- yeah. <laughs> The revs need to hurry up and change their logo. <laughs> yeah, they got to get that out now. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that wraps us up. Um, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Stoppage. No, don't do that. That's our other show. You can do you that. Can follow- you can do that too. Yeah, at Stoppage Show. That's for Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We're going to be doing – oh, you want to promote the Fantasy League? Go ahead. Yeah, so we are doing a Premier League Fantasy League. Um it's so hard to say that a premier league fantasy league draft too. It's a draft. draft. Yeah. Um, and it's head to head. So we do a head to head. We don't do like the, the wages thing. Cause I think it's more fun like this. Cause it's, it's much more like the American football way, uh, which I much prefer. Um, so we're doing that. You get to draft. Um, it's a lot of fun cause you learn the league. There's 20 teams and you go into like the very uh, pits of the league to get players, which is a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, no, it's fun. It, it, it'll be a good time. I think we'll have about 10 to 12 teams. Um, if Matt ever signs up, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, we'll, we'll have a, we'll have that going and that'll be the draft will be next Monday or sorry, next Sunday, August 8th. So if anybody is interested in that it's 7 PM Eastern time. Um, so if you're in the Midwest, that'll work out pretty well for you. We try to do it a little later. Anybody overseas, I feel bad for if we had anybody try to do it from overseas. Cause it'd be like, I don't know, like, what is it? 1 a.m. or something like that. Um, so yeah, we're doing that. And then um, I also wanted to pitch the. We're going to be doing um, the World Cup qualifying. We're going to do a couple of big episodes coming up on that, and that starts September. So, yeah. so uh, that'll right be fun. Point. Yeah, so that'll be fun because they'll go all on international break and stuff. So uh, we'll cover. I'm going to hopefully get a preview of all the teams that we're going to be playing, um, so that we can kind of figure out where we stand and then we'll do some predictions maybe and uh, talk about maybe some of the lineups we'd like to see and some of the players we'd like to see. But uh, yeah, exciting time coming up in, in August. August will be a very busy month, I feel, uh, for all of our podcasts. So <laughs> uh, looking Not forward as busy to that. as March next year. That's true. Uh- <laughs> we will be slammed in March next year. <laughs> Uh, March and April will be brutal. March and April next year is going to be brutal. Uh, you'll find out why later. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, it'll be a little rough. Um, but you can go ahead and follow us at Stateside Show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Stateside Show, or email statesideshow at gmail.com. Uh, like you just talked about, Stoppage Time is on Twitter at Stoppage Show, Facebook.com slash Stoppage Time Soccer Show, Instagram at Stoppage Time Soccer Show, or email us Stoppage Time Show at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, that about does it for us today. We will catch you all Tuesday when we talk about the USA hoisting the Gold Cup final, according to Logan, uh, hosting that trophy uh, on Sunday night against Mexico. And we'll know, right? No, we will. Yeah, we'll know by then if the U.S. women's have moved on to the final, and we'll preview if so. And if not, we'll preview the Gold Cup, uh, the, the bronze match, I guess. Uh, but, That's it. Have a great rest of your weekend and enjoy all the soccer. Tomorrow throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to 
Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.